Welcome into Hardcore Penn State Football. This is Corey Lestoki. Thank you guys for listening, joining in on the show. I know it's been an insane rollercoaster ride here at Hardcore Penn State Football. Just a couple months ago, we switched over from Hardcore College Football, focusing in on just Penn State. And we're going to do some live shows. And although that isn't 100% out of the window... It's not going to be the main platform moving forward. Uh, it's It's been crazy. It's been really nuts. I think the plan moving forward, just before we get into the show, um, some housekeeping things. The plan moving forward is going to be mostly a podcast in addition to YouTube videos. Um, so that's kind of the idea moving forward. We'll see how we go. I, I'm really hoping to put more content out here in the new year. If and always, make sure you're following us on social media. Twitter is the main one at Hardcore PSU FB. Um, also on Facebook, so make sure to check out there. Also on TikTok, so make sure if you're on the TikTok, make sure to follow us there as well. Um, that being said, we have a lot to discuss today. A lot to discuss today, and we've got to talk about the Penn State recruiting class, 2022 recruiting class. Obviously not 100% done because the signing day isn't for a couple more months, but the early signing day is done, and Penn State signed almost everybody except for one guy, but pretty much done. We'll talk about that pretty you know, pretty, pretty heavily, but we'll talk more about them in future episodes as well. Um, we're going to talk about the coaching staff changes and, and specifically the defensive coordinator uh, the player portal. We're already seeing guys coming and going in the transfer portal, so we're going to talk about that. Players leaving for the NFL for going the bowl game and also leaving early. And then finally, the Outback Bowl preview. So we've got a lot to discuss here. I'm going to try to hammer home the points. I hope you guys are having a fantastic holiday season. That's kind of been um, why you haven't heard much from me as far as recru- uh, recording has gone. But again, hopefully you are enjoying the holiday season as well. My one take, the uh, Corey take that I would like to discuss today. Hey, bowl games are getting canceled left and right. And I 100% get the frustration. Because I'm in bowl pool pick'ems as well. And it's, it's frustrating to kind of see these bowl games go to the wayside. Especially since the COVID-19 procedures seem to be outdated. We're seeing even a CDC saying, hey, probably don't need to be... Um, quarantining yourself for very long if you get COVID, depending on if you've been vaccinated, if you've got the boosters, how long you've had symptoms for. But we're seeing a reduction across not just the CDC, but we've seen it in the NFL. But yet college football seems to still have a pretty outdated system. So we're seeing bowl games getting canceled left and right. There was a scare that Penn State might have some COVID issues. That seems to be, for the most part, behind them. Um, But... I do find it hysterical that of all the people being upset about it or, you know, the ones not benefiting from it are the bowl money people, people making all the money from the bowl games. Don't really care about those people. Don't really feel bad for those people. I feel bad for the casual fan that wants to see more college football games, but the ones being upset about it being the bowl people could care less about them. Um, I will talk about foregoing bowl games a little bit later on in the show because that's just going to be the future regardless of how you want to look at it. Um, That being said, let's jump right in to the 2020 recruiting class. Again, it's about 15 days ago now, depending on when you're listening to the podcast 
where Penn State signed the sixth best overall class. Again, it's not done. They could move back a couple spots, probably not going to move forward any. Um, the second best class in the Big Ten. And guys, remember in the summer, this was the number one class overall. And everyone was like, oh, they're going to have guys decommit. They're, you know, they're going to go back. Really not much attrition throughout the course of the last couple months. James Franklin did a great job nailing this class down. Um, even though Penn State kind of fizzled on the football field, the recruiting class didn't. They signed the 247 24-7 sports number one quarterback in Drew Aller and the number one running back in Nick Singleton. And these two guys, Aller and Singleton, I mean, they're, they're phenomenal guys, right? I mean, these are guys that Penn State really hasn't recruited yet. And so if they're going to take the next step, especially offensively, uh, this is kind of where they're going to need to do it. Drew Aller is a guy who is potentially going to be on the same level as Christian Hackenberg. I believe Ben Jones wrote a great article about that. Um, and he actually interviewed Christian Hackenberg. So Drew Aller is going to be special. Might not start because as we'll get to, uh, Sean Clifford coming back. But it's more than just those two guys. Um, it's a really well-balanced class. And a really impressive class. Signed eight of the top 15 prospects in the state of Pennsylvania. Rutgers and South Carolina are both retired with two with the second most. So Penn State dominating the state of Pennsylvania, which is which is really needed after kind of a lackadaisical 2020 class. And there's plenty of pieces here to be excited about. We'll start on defense. There's a couple guys I want to mention. Deny Dennis Sutton, four-star defensive lineman out of Maryland. John Scott Jr., defensive line coach, said he has the consistency in his work ethic. Um, he's doing it while no one else is watching. Dennis Sutton's a guy who could come in, and, and because of the lack of depth of the defensive line, play right away. So excited to see what he can do. Mikai Flowers, a four-star athlete. More and more thinking he might play along the defensive backs, especially with some guys entering the transfer portal. Um, one interesting thing that was happening on signing day was the – Kind of both his dad and Franklin both hinted at him working hard every single day on not taking any plays off. So that has been something that apparently has been highlighted that Flowers needs to work on. But the dude's a beast. He's from Pennsylvania. Another potential athlete could play receiver, could play safety is Christian Driver. He's the son of Donald Driver, uh, who James Franklin coached at Green Bay when he was a receivers coach there. So that is a long, old throwback. Um, connection for James Franklin, both of Donald Dri or excuse me, Christian Driver's uh, parents. Impressive when they were interviewed. Um, really what impressed me about Christian Driver during the interview um, on signing day, he name-dropped like all of his coaches, not just one or two, not just he name-dropped people that were recruiting him, who helped him, you know, all the way back in from high school. So he, he, he was impressive the way he was showing recognition, and he's an impressive athlete. A lot of guys, a lot of coaches, a lot of teams really wanted Christian Driver. Big get out of Texas. He's another four-star guy. Um, two more for you, four-star edge, Ken Talley from Pennsylvania. little fun fact for you, he is a bowler. I believe there's two bowlers on this 22 recruiting class. He can kind of play defensive end or linebacker. And then four-star Cam Milner uh, out of Florida. He's a corner by far the best hair of the class. 
I mean, fantastic do. And Terry Smith said, hey, kind of expects him to play next season. So kind of a guy who probably maybe in that Kobe King role plays, um, you know, maybe four games, maybe five games, maybe six games, depending on where the depth is. There is a little bit of help out with the depth. So we, we, we might see uh, Milner only play, depending on how he develops four games, because we did hear that, you know, uh, Joey Porter Jr. would be returning uh, for Penn State. So a little bit more depth there. Um, but still, there's a potential that Mr. Milner could get on the field quite a bit. And, and I should rephrase, it wasn't Kobe King, Kalen King. Um, although Kobe King is there, the linebacker, Kalen King is the corner. Um, other offensive pieces that I liked, besides obviously Aller and Singleton, on the offensive side of things, Caden Sanders, 52 nationally ranked from Ohio. Apparently not a good golfer, uh, was according to Stubberfield, the wide receiver coach. Uh, this guy, Sanders, uh, committed early on, and he was recruiting a lot of other players. He can do it all. I expect him to get some sort of look to play. There's a lot of young wide receivers coming in, obviously, in this recruiting class. Um, but also, besides Parker Washington and Keandre Lambert-Smith and then another transfer portal guy in Mitch Tinsley, there's a lot of unproven depth. So kind of curious to see where all these new receivers kind of fall into place. Four-star defense or offensive tackle Drew Shelton, 117th ranked in uh, the class in the entire class from Pennsylvania. Uh, he's the 15th best offensive tackle in the country. And, and guys, you you don't need to be surprised by this. We know we need to see some hits on the offensive tackle position. Uh, didn't take very much in 2020. I hate to say it, but Drew Shelton almost needs to be a home run hit. I mean, they've got to have somebody step up here. Tang Wall is going to probably play a, a, a lot of football next year, but Shelton, he's got to come in. He's got to do something for them and hopefully play, uh, maybe not next year, but but definitely the year after that. And then Katron Allen, the running back out of Florida. Joan Sider had a big part in recruiting him. Katron's mom was the best interview, by the way. Um Talked about her being a Cowboys fan and getting the popcorn ready, and then she just dumped popcorn all over the living room and all over herself. It was a pretty funny and spirited interview. If you have a chance, I mean, they are ex extremely excited. Um, he's going to be early enrolling. Katron Allen, guy, I wasn't sure was going to 100% come, especially if uh, Cider was going to leave, but he's staying for now. More on him a little bit later. Uh, but another big get. And, and Franklin said, like, between Allen and Singleton, I'm not sure if there's a better duo of running backs coming in to Penn State. And if you got to be excited about it because the bottom line is you had all these great running backs last year and I guess this year, and we didn't really see what we wanted to see out of them. Obviously not a bunch of top-end speed. Kind of a disappointment. We're not really sure where Kazai Holmes is at in all of that. Kevon Lee's more of a power dude. And... Devin Ford really just hasn't kind of shown up in certain in certain games. I mean, that's just the that's just the best way to say it. He's had moments, but he hasn't really shown it. Um, and so maybe one of these guys, Singleton or Allen, can come in and and take over the running back room because right now, I mean, it's nobody has really shown or really proved that they deserve to get all of the carries. So that seems to be an ongoing theme as we head into next season, especially into the spring. There were two under the or excuse me, four under the radar guys I wanted to mention. 
in this 22 class. Again, if, if you're not listening to the 24-7 podcast uh, with Sean Fitz and Tyler Donahue, I mean, they, they're the recruiting gurus. I mean, if you want all the breakdown, they're the guys to go to. But um, here are a couple more under-the-radar guys. Four-star defensive tackle Zane Durant. Just got under that 300th rank. That's kind of like a threshold people like to talk about, top 300 guys. He's just under there at 298. Um, there's videos of him chasing people down on punt coverage. John Scott Jr. says he has a high motor, super athletic, um, and has a quick hit twitch like a defensive end. People are sort of comparing him to Kevin Givens. I think he has a little bit more size, um, a little bit more high, a uh, little bit more possibility of, of being a little bit better than Kevin Givens. Um but Zane Durant's a guy who could come in and, and again, play early with a shallow defensive line. So excited to see what he can do. One guy that people aren't talking about as much, but if you listen to the coaches, the coaches love three-star linebacker Keon Wiley, the 13th best player from Pennsylvania. I'm telling you, they just, when he committed and was interviewed on early signing day, you could tell that the coaches were super excited about him. Like, they just talked about him differently, um, especially Terry Smith. So they, they love his demeanor. They love his work ethic. There's a lot of other great linebackers and, and defensive ends and whatever in this class that are going to kind of get the spotlight. I mean, even Abdul Carter probably would, would get maybe more of a spotlight before Keon Wiley. But I like Keon Wiley, and I don't know if he's going to play right away, but there is a lack of linebacker depth, and so there's going to be potential for some young guys to play there. So I'm excited for Keon Wiley and see what he, you know, let's see what he's able to do. Three-star quarterback Bo Pribula, Pribula, a guy, 31st-ranked quarterback in the class, guy who could have probably gone somewhere else in hindsight, especially with Drew Aller coming in and playing most likely before him. Uh, but but Bo doesn't want to do that. Bo wanted to come to Penn State. He's going to want to be a leader. Um, this is an interesting sign because you're going to have four quarterbacks at the moment on the roster for next year. And Bo presumably going to be the lowest on the list. So kind of ex- kind of excited to see where his career goes. Um, but the guy wants to play. The guy's a, a winner. And the guy's going to play hard and, and do the right thing. So I I don't know if he's going to end up being Penn State's great quarterback, but he could go somewhere and be great if he ends up not getting the opportunity at Penn State. Franklin, very, very high on Bo as well. Finally, Omari Evans, a wide receiver out of Texas, three-star guy. He's actually playing quarterback in high school because they just need him to play quarterback because he's the best athlete. Um, Andy Frank, the player personnel uh Basically saying that this guy runs in a four threes and he's quick. And if you're a three star wide receiver, maybe not, you know, super duper talented, you're playing quarterback. So your, your wide receiver skills aren't uh, extremely chiseled and refined. How do you make up for that? Well, you'd be very, very fast and running the four threes is being very, very fast. Super duper excited. There's a lot of great wide receivers coming in, in this class. Uh, Sanders is one of them. I really think Evans could be the other one, and, and there's others as well, but I, I really like those two, and Omari Evans has the opportunity to be kind of one of those underrated guys. Uh, with that being said, uh, let's move on to the the next part of the episode today, and that's going to be the coaching staff changes. 
The biggest one, obviously, is defensive coordinator Brent Pry taking the head coaching job at Virginia Tech. This is kind of like a hometown deal for Brent Pry. Grew up about an hour north of Blacksburg, just straight up on I-81. Um, he was a GA at Virginia Tech in the 90s. And it really seemed, like based off the year the Penn State defense had, if Brent Pry wasn't going to take a job this year, he probably wasn't ever going to do it. And the Virginia Tech job was the perfect landing spot for Brent Pry. Um, yeah, th- this was a great spot for him to land. Uh, James Franklin is losing one of his, you know, probably his most trusted assistant coach. And also a guy who, not just Brent Pry, but also his family is very close to James Franklin's family. So losing someone a part of that support system, that's not easy to replace. Um I mean, he's been with him since Vanderbilt. So that's a tough one for Franklin to lose personally, but also a big one to lose for the coaching staff. Impressed that they didn't lose anybody because of it. Probably wasn't able to kind of poach anybody over to Virginia Tech. Probably a lot of that was due to Anthony Poindexter staying around, the assistant defensive coordinator, who was flirting with the uh, Virginia job, the head coaching job. That eventually went to Tony Elliott. Um, It almost seemed like it was a done deal. And then all of a sudden, just next thing you know, Poindexter sending a text out to Adam Rittenberg with ESPN saying, mm, uh, timing is everything, and it's not the time. So he kind of came back, and I don't know if that was a breakdown in negotiations if Virginia wasn't going to give him all he wanted. Um, but with assistant defense coordinator Anthony Poindexter coming back, you're feeling a little bit better. He's actually going to be coaching um, and calling the plays for the Outback Bowl. So. A big get to get him back, and maybe that kind of kept some of the class together. Who knows? Uh, but replacing Brent Pry, and we thought maybe Point Dexter would be taking over, but no, a big, big, massive hire in getting defensive coordinator Manny Diaz. Very similar scheme in that 4 3 aggressive style. He also loves cover three blitzes, just like Brent Pry. He gets a lot of athletes on the field on third down, which, when you look at this 2020 recruiting class, is just. It's exciting to think about all the different ways they can piece the kind of guys together. Um, For the blog, he did a fantastic film breakdown of what to expect. And my goodness, dude, the Texas and the X's and the stunts. He has defensive ends um, going from the D gap all the way to the opposite A gap on stunts. I love stunts, especially since the stunts seem to confuse the hell out of our own offensive line. I'm excited to see what uh, many DS can come up with with so many weapons. And he's a high-energy guy. He knows how to recruit, and he has a ton of experience. When they were trying to figure out who Penn State would bring in, uh, Knowles, who eventually went to Ohio State from Oklahoma State, was one of the top candidates. Uh, We heard about Elijah Robinson being interested. Uh, He eventually decided to stay at A&M. There was rumors, and there's a speculation that maybe he spoke with Larry Johnson Sr. to kind of and Larry Johnson Sr. kind of talked him out of it. Who knows if that's really true. What I do know is James Franklin wanted a guy with experience, defensive coordinator coaching experience, and Manny Diaz has over 10 years of defensive coordinator experience in calling plays. Uh, his 2018 Miami defense was phenomenal. Uh, his Louisiana Tech defense was so good. I don't have the stats right in front of me at the moment, but his Louisiana Tech defense, I believe it forced 42 turnovers in one season. Um, Penn State hasn't forced more than 26 turnovers in a single season since 2000 and, and since before 2009. And in that season where uh, Manny Diaz was at 
Louisiana Tech, they had 26 interceptions alone. So they're going to get a lot of turnovers. You've heard of the turnover chain. There's going to be some energy here, and Manny Diaz seems like a guy who, who probably won't stay forever, but is probably kind of a guy who can stay for another two, three years, probably in no huge rush to be a head coach again. He's already kind of coached at the place of, that he really wanted to be, his dream school. And so I don't see him running off in any crazy hurry to be an offense or to be a head coach again, probably eventually. Um, but I can see him staying for a couple of years. And so this was a massive hire. This is a big time get for Penn State. Um, and it just shows you that, hey, we, we went out, we got Franklin for 10 more years. You kept Yursich, uh, you kept Cider, you kept some of these other great, you kept Terry Smith, who was maybe possibly flirting with a Temple job. Um, and then you come and you get Manny Diaz and you get him quickly, right? He was fired, I believe on a Monday. Um, and on Tuesday he was having conversations with James Franklin and by, I believe Thursday he was, he was at Penn state. So, so big time get for Penn state and Manny Diaz. Um, but that wasn't it. Uh, obviously got Mike Yersich to stay. Um, there's two other guys I want to at least mention and that's Nuan Sider, uh, who, there was rumors that Florida wanted him. Uh, Billy Napier, the new Florida head coach there from Louisiana. Uh, there's looked like they're trying to get him to be their tight ends coach. Um, there was some back and forth on whether that was going to happen before signing day. Then it kind of got quiet for a while. But as of three days ago, they hired William Piegler, who was the Michigan State running backs coach. So that tight ends coach vacancy is no longer there. That's been fulfilled. And their running backs coach vacancy is fulfilled too. So Jawan Sider to Florida is seeing more and more less likely, which is a big, big moment for Penn State because Sider, although you know some of those recruits haven't turned out great from the state of Florida, he is recruiting Florida extremely well. Now you have Manny Diaz in there who can recruit Florida as well. Uh, and then the other guy, John Scott Jr., who I want to talk about, who can rec recruit the South Carolina, Georgia area, uh, extremely well. There was th thoughts, at least, at least for me, that he might go with Brent Pry to Virginia Tech. Um, Pry was one of the guys who really wanted John Scott Jr. to begin with when they went and hired him from South Carolina. But since then, Brent Pry has hired Sean Quinn, who I don't think they've officially said is a defensive line coach yet, um, but he does have a lot of defensive line experience. So I'm, I'm, I'm taking it that... John Scott Jr. is at least not going uh, to Virginia Tech. But those two guys are two guys I would really, if, you know, as a Penn State fan, be really paying attention to these next couple months. Because it's not over, ladies and gentlemen. We have another, you know, solid two months of possible coaching carousel here. I just feel like it started a little bit earlier this year. Uh, let's head over to the player portal because we've already got transfer portal news uh, that we need to discuss. We'll start with the leaving guys first. Four-star safety from the 2019 class, Enzo Jennings. Um, sort of disappointed here. I mean, he never really had a chance. He got buried on the depth chart uh, pretty quickly. And and he hasn't found a new home yet, but Enzo Jennings is gone. Kind of disappointing because I was really looking forward to seeing how Enzo Jennings fits in these next couple of years. Um, and with him, another safety, four-star safety from the same 2019 class, Tyler Rudolph. He's gone. He's actually heading to UMass. So two safeties gone. And you see why. You can see why Makai Flowers or Christian Driver potentially need to come to the safety spot to get them more depth. Obviously, um, 
they need depth along safety and linebacker uh, with, with Jennings and Rudolph leaving, uh, but also Jaquan Brisker heading to the NFL and Jonathan Sutherland staying, but most likely going to be taking a linebacker role. They also lose three-star offensive guard from the 2017 class, Des Holmes, guy who had a lot of experience, just never really kind of solidified himself along the offensive line. He's leaving. He hasn't found a spot yet either. Um, and it sucks losing guys with experience, especially on the offensive line. I'm not saying they're the most talented guys in the world, but you don't want to lose guys like that. You don't ever want to lose guys like that. Um, in addition to him, four-star quarterback, officially 2019 class, Taquan Roberson is gone. Um, Roberson, I mean, he's going to be remembered for that Iowa game forever, right? And I don't think that was the beginning of the end for Roberson. It really seemed like that started a couple years ago when he was buried in the depth chart. There was rumors that he wasn't taking it extremely seriously. Who knows what was really going on, but it just seemed like it was a it was a miss by Penn State in the quarterback room. And and we don't know where Roberson is going yet. I believe UConn has at least offered him. I believe that's he tweeted about that. Um, so we'll see where he goes. And then finally, three-star wide receiver from the 2020 class, Norval Black is gone. Black was a guy from Black Life, Lackawanna. We, we were really hoping he was going to do uh, – he did really well for them, but just never, never really panned out here. So he's gone as well. Coming in, we have a three-star wide receiver from the 2020 class, Mitch Tinsley. Uh, played two years at Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky, one of the best passing offenses in the country, and Tinsley really benefited from that. 2021 stats, 87 catches, 1,400 yards, and 14 touchdowns. So some massive production. Obviously, going from Conference USA to the Big Ten is going to be a little bit different. I'm not, you know, I don't expect him to be the top wide receiver. But hey, you got Keandre Lambert Smith, and you have Parker Washington. But then after that, it's it's pretty wide open. So kind of excited to see where Tinsley falls in line with the receiving depth. Um, that's all of the incoming for sure guys, but two guys I want you to pay attention to defensive line, a defensive lineman, Lonnie Phelps uh, from Miami of Ohio. Rumor it was that John Scott Jr. Had a phone call with him to potentially sway him in. That was just as of a couple of days ago, um, had a good amount of sacks in production there um, with Miami of Ohio and then Wyoming wide receiver Isaiah Nayer. Nayer's got a lot of attention. I believe Ole Miss. I believe maybe even Arkansas. I think maybe even Tennessee have offered him. So he's getting a lot of attention. Uh, so I don't know if Penn State wins that bidding war. But another guy that you want to pay attention to. Because I don't think Penn State minds taking a bunch of receivers right now. They have the the spots to do it. Uh, so it would be interesting to see kind of who they get. They gotta get more defensive and offensive linemen, especially offensive linemen. They can get one or two offensive tackles. That'd be fantastic. They're gonna want to get at least another linebacker or two as well, because just not a bunch of depth there. Let's move on to the players staying and leaving in the NFL. Um I want to start this off by saying that none of these college football players owe us anything. And I think it's important to say that because you get, people get so frustrated with people for going bowl games or leaving early. And Adam Bittner on Twitter had a fantastic point. 
if you are upset about the players leaving early and and getting rid of this fantastic tradition, then you have to really kind of get upset at the bowl games too. Because with name, image, and likeness deals out there, if they wanted Jahan Dotson to stay, they could pay Jahan Dotson to play in the bowl game. And yet they're not doing that. So this is not at all on the players. This is also on the bowl games. They have the option to pay these guys to play in the bowl games, and they're choosing not to, as at least as of now. Um, and and that, that is across college football. We saw, I think, four or five Ohio State guys aren't playing in the Rose Bowl. And obviously the Rose Bowl is even more important than the Outback Bowl. The Outback Bowl, I can kind of understand I would be a little upset as far as Penn State players not playing in the Rose Bowl. But again, the Rose Bowl can has the money and the wherewithal to do it um, if they chose to. So that's on them. With that being said, here are the guys leaving, staying that we know of. Um, forgoing the bowl, linebacker Ellis Brooks, receiver Jahan Dodson. Forgoing the bowl, Jaquan Brisker, safety. Forgoing the bowl but not official, Arnold Ebikadi. And for going the bowl, but not official, defensive lineman Derek Tangelo. Leaving early and also for going the bowl is linebacker Brandon Smith. Playing in the bowl, but obviously going to the NFL, is going to be Jesse Lucada. Probably going to be playing linebacker. Um, retiring wide receiver Winston Eubanks, medically retiring due to concussions. Um, best of luck to him. Staying as of now, cornerback Joey Porter Jr. for next year. Staying as of now, linebacker and safety Jonathan Sutherland. Again, expecting to play more of a linebacker role next year. He's got to put on some weight only. Right now, Penn State lists him at about approximately 200 pounds. going to need to put on probably about 20 pounds um, in the offseason to really um, be able to be a productive linebacker in the Big Ten. Staying, safety Jair Brown, probably the biggest one. On the defensive side of things, Joey Porter Jr. obviously a big one too, but Ayer Brown is a guy who is leading the team in interceptions, and and I think benefits from another year. He's not as physical as Jaquan Brisker, so I don't know if he'll ever be uh, drafted as high as Brisker probably will even next year. But Brown, a guy who who can seriously, with the production he's having, be drafted significantly higher if he comes back next year. And then, of course, staying quarterback Sean Clifford, which is kind of a surprise to me. I, again, if you follow us on Twitter, you know um, I did not expect Sean Clifford to come back. But, hey, he's going to come back. He's excited to lead, um, to mentor uh, this young quarterback room. You got Veyu, you got... Pribula, you got Prabula, I should say, and you got Aller as well. So quarterback Sean Clifford staying. Not heard from kicker Jordan Stout yet. He has accepted a senior bowl invitation, but I do not believe that means he has to 100% go to the NFL. Most likely, I would put my bets on Jordan Stout going, um, but I don't really know how high your draft stock gets. 24-7 Sports had a good interview with Joe Lorig lately. They talked about um, when they should fair catch, depending on who they're playing on kickoffs. They talked about why Jake Pinniger hasn't been playing very much, although healthy. Um, and they talked about Jordan Stout and his maturation, but also his opportunities and whether or not Lorig thinks specialists like him can can make it in the NFL. Um, and Lorig talks about how you know, you'd think some guys would be home run hitters um, slam dunks to be drafted or at least picked up, and then they just don't. So the NFL can be weird about it. So I'm kind of curious to see what Jordan Stout does 
Um, he could potentially come back and maybe finalize or refine his place kicking duties and and maybe um, get drafted if he can do all three better. Right now, I don't see people really taking him as a place kicker, but maybe a kickoff specialist and a punter. And then Mike Miranda, the center, didn't have a great year. I expect him to come back to refine his skills. And although he didn't have a great year, I think Penn State really kind of needs him to come back. You, you want as much depth and experience as possible. Okay, we just spent and kind of breezed through fairly quickly 30 minutes on all the news that I have kind of haven't been having a podcast or a show about. And so now we're going to get to the actual Outback Bowl preview. Again, guys, you can follow us on Twitter. I tweet a bunch, Hardcore PSUFB, on TikTok as well. Trying to put out some more TikTok videos. And also you can find us on YouTube as well. Um, Subscribe there. But here's bowl preview time. And, and I guess before we get that, also I write for For the Glory of Old State. Had a big article out, talk, kind of talking about you know the opportunity is now here or nowhere, depending on how you write it for James Franklin moving forward. And this bowl game, although maybe not important to win or lose, have an opportunity for a lot of young guys to play and kind of see where the future is for Penn State. Arkansas um, going to be showing up for this game. So be kind of curious to see how Penn State shows up for it. I will be in attendance for this game. On New Year's Day, it's going to be 11, um, I believe, 11 Central, so 12 Eastern kick on ESPN2. Uh, Outback Bowl preview time. This is Arkansas's first bowl in five years. They've never, I believe, never played in the Outback Bowl before. Right now, because of all the swings and the transfers and the foregoing of bowls, Arkansas is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Let's talk about their offense first. And maybe I should stop and say, first of all, this is a good Arkansas football team. What Sam Pittman has done there in a short span is, is incredible. Sam Pittman, an offensive line coach, has done a remarkable job recruiting good players that fit his program. And you're in the SEC West, and it's not an easy division. You talk about the Big Ten East and the SEC West. These are two teams that play in tough divisions and maybe don't deserve all the credit they des- you know they'll get. Arkansas was playing really well. They they believe they beat AM, they beat Texas, um, and then they just got absolutely hammered by Georgia. But this is a good football team, um, and especially on offense, can do some exciting things even without one of their wide receivers. So let's talk about their offense. Starts with quarterback KJ Jefferson. The dude's six foot three, two hundred and forty-five pounds. Could play linebacker at a lot of schools, probably. Huge dude. He can throw and he can run. Sixty-seven percent completion, twenty-five hundred yards through the air with twenty-one touchdowns. But get this, only three interceptions on the season. So not making a ton of mistakes, taking care of the football. Not scared to run it if needed. Has one hundred and twenty-six carries, which leads the team. Five hundred fifty-four yards and is tied. For second most touchdowns with five touchdowns on the ground. So the dude can do it all. He's like a Terrell Pryor-ish, I would say. Um, and, and he's young too, retro sophomore. So he's got some more time. He's going to be coming back for next year. Um, with the departure of Traylon Burks, who will not be playing this game, one of the top wide receivers in the NFL draft, 67 catches, 1,100 yards, 11 touchdowns. Without him, without Burks, the offense is going to go through K.J. Jefferson. I expect them to run the ball a lot. They average 217 yards on the ground as is. 
Traylon Smith, a running back, and Raheem Sanders, another running back. Both those guys over 100 carries on the season, approximately 500-ish yards for both of them and combined eight touchdowns. Um, they just have a bunch of running backs. And they're going to pound it. And with the lack of depth that a Penn State has along the defensive line, not just with injuries, but also now with uh, Tangelo and Ebby Katie not playing, I find it difficult how they're going to be able to stop this rushing attack. Uh, you lose Brandon Smith and Ellis Brooks. Ellis Brooks, your leading tackler. You have uh, Lucada is going to move to linebacker, most likely to play linebacker. So you basically don't have any. Um, Starting defensive lineman, it's not a good sign. On the outside, they do have uh, Devion Warren, who's a senior wide receiver. He's probably going to be their top target now. One little fun nugget for you. Ha Arkansas has not scored a single point when they open the game against FBS teams. So when they get the ball first, that drive most likely not going to end in points. So if Penn State wins a toss, I know you usually defer anyway, but you really want to defer if you're Penn State heading into the Outback Bowl. I think people are more fascinated with the Arkansas offense versus the Penn State defense um, as far as what to expect or what to be excited for. Um, it just kind of it just kind of seems that way, to be honest with you. Um Everybody wants to talk about how Arkansas is going to be able to run the football. And, and, and a lot of the depth that Penn State lost, a lot of guys going to the NFL is on the defensive side of things. So I understand that. Um, but this Arkansas defense, especially the linebacking core, is one that is kind of scary. Uh, one quick note, they do lose defensive lineman Trey Williams. He was arrested uh, due to a DUI. So he will not be playing. He had a, a handful of sacks on the season. So that makes it a little bit easier. I'm sure Sean Clifford or Christian Bayou, whoever's going to be starting this game. Um, I guess most likely Sean Clifford um, probably feels a little bit better about that. I don't really know how much pressure they're going to get with just the defensive line. Their defensive line isn't insane, but their linebacking core again, one of the best in the country got three senior linebackers, uh, linebacker, Grant Morgan, who won the 21 Burlesworth Trophy, given the most outstanding player who started their career as a walk-on, who's a second-year captain and is a second-leading tackler with 96 tackles, and third tackle-for-loss leader with seven TFLs on the team. You have Bumper Pool, who's probably a guy you've heard of before if you watch any NCAA or SEC football. Um, hasn't decided if he's going to return for another year or not yet. He has 120 tackles on the year. And then also Hayden Henry, another senior. So, all three linebackers have combined for 156 games and 829 tackles. So they are going to be an issue for a Penn State running game that has failed to have a single 100-yard rusher um, this season. So I, I don't like that matchup between the, the Penn State running room, running back room and the Arkansas linebackers. And potentially, potentially you could see something along the lines of Sean Clifford running for his life. You know, think back to a couple of years ago when Penn State played in the Cotton Bowl against Memphis and they were able to dominate up front and run the football. I just don't see how that happens this year, which means I don't really know what to expect if they actually have to run the football. So kind of curious what happens there. They don't have Jahan Dotson, which means maybe the safeties can play more in the box. 
um, and, and maybe force Keandre Lambert Smith or Parker Washington to hurt them. Um, maybe the tight ends get more involved. We'd like to see what Brenton Strange can do. Maybe they take advantage of some of those opportunities, but it's not going to be easy because on the outside they got a cornerback in Monteric Brown who had five interceptions this year and will play in the bowl game, but will most likely be going the NFL draft. So you're already seeing that a lot of the times between Arkansas and Penn State, Arkansas's guys are staying and Penn State guys are not playing in the Outback Bowl, which is just kind of the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Um, but it's frustrating to say the least because Penn State is down a lot, which means there's going to be a there's going to be some. I don't know, mismatches, if you were at least experience-wise. So I expect to see Penn State um, be in some tough situations just because of the lack of experience, uh, which isn't good. And then finally, one other point that just happened that we don't expect this guy to play because he was just on crutches when he showed up in Tampa, which is not a good thing um, in any capacity. Um and I'm trying to find where it is. Um, and so I can give some credit to where we found the news. Because I, I do believe in trying to give credit to where credit is due. And the Nittany Lion Wire, I believe, posted the news from USA Today uh, that most likely Rashid Walker not going to be playing due to crutches. So Rashid Walker, offensive tackle, not going to most likely be playing. Again, against those linebackers, could be challenging, especially down maybe potentially a couple offensive linemen as well. And who knows where the COVID is at. I'd be surprised if Penn State didn't have somebody out due to COVID. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know consistency-wise if Penn State, because they can't run the ball, will be able to keep up with an Arkansas team that will be able to run the ball. And the depth factor kind of favors Arkansas as well. Uh, Kara Irene asks, guys, if you have... Um, questions, try to ask them on Twitter. I'll try to get them on the episode. Uh, and, and she did. And she asked, who do I expect to step up in the bowl game? I'm going to give you two, one on offense, one on defense. Offense, wide receiver Malik Mega. Those outback bowl practices, those bowl game practices, combined with Jahan Dotson not playing, I think you might see Malik get more opportunities to step up. I say he even gets a touchdown this game. Uh so, yeah, Mega is my guy on offense. On defense, safety Jalen Reed. You don't have Brisker playing, which means I think Reed probably plays a bunch. Tyler Rudolph not playing. Enzo Jennings obviously not going to be playing. Um, Reed potentially might even have a chance to uh, to start next year in a safety spot. So, Jalen Reed, a guy I expect to play a lot. He's going to have to come up and help in the run game, in the run defense. Uh, so, those are my two guys there. And if you made it this far in the podcast... Two things. If you're listening on Apple, give us a five-star review. If you do a five-star review for Hardcore Penn State Football, whatever you say, I don't care what it is, I'm reading it on the show. It can be a question for me. It can be a personal question. It can be a compliment. Hell, it can even be an insult. Five-star reviews get read on this show. Um, I've always done that, and I'm going to always continue to do that. So feel free to do that, please. And guess what, guys? If you're listening on Spotify, Spotify now allows uh, ratings. So you can finally rate shows on Spotify. So head over to Hardcore Penn State Football on Spotify and you can actually rate the show, which I believe 
um, is, is as simple as going to the podcast and there's a little star thing and boom, you can hit the star rating right there and be done with it. Um, I am now going to give you my prediction. I do not see Penn State winning this game. I don't think it's important necessarily to win this game, but I think it's important to get the right momentum heading into the offseason. I don't think you have to win to get the momentum, but I think you have to play well. Um, I just don't think you have enough depth. And if the story of the game is not having depth, I think that's an okay excuse. If they're not prepared or if they look pathetic and they don't care, that is a problem. I think they do come prepared. I, I think they do... Um, come fired up especially the young guys trying to prove a point because hey on the defensive side of things you're trying to prove you deserve a spot to the new boss and defense coordinator manny diaz who's not doing anything but observing and taking notes so the defense is going to come ready to play especially if you're a young guy trying to get a position offensive coordinator mike gear that he's going to improve the offense or die trying i think he's got something to prove as well sean clifford obviously or whoever you know ends up playing most of the quarterback snaps i think they've got something to prove I just don't think they have enough depth to do it. I think the running game for Arkansas is going to be too much. And I think Arkansas gets the win 24-20. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Again, share this with one other Penn State person that needs to listen to this podcast. And if you have a second, go give me a five-star review on Apple or now Spotify. So appreciate you guys. Have a fantastic New Year's. And I will see you next year. Bye, everybody.